Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. Welcome, friends, to episode 148 of Dope Nostalgia, and I'm Naomi, your host. So close to 150 episodes now that it's, uh, I can almost taste it. It's so exciting. <laughs> I want to take some time to recognize very, very special listeners and supporters of the show. But before I do that, I wanted to let you guys know we're starting a brand new series, just like we did Mixtape Mondays. And that was an amazing 10 weeks of chats with people who experienced the mixtape tour with us. We're going to do Sail Away Sundays. Same premise. We're going to talk to some of our friends who we met on the cruise, the New Kids on the Block cruise that I just returned from two weeks ago. It was in Miami where we took off from, departed, embarked, whatever word you want to use. And we went to Bahamas, Half Moon Key Bahamas, had the most incredible time of my life. Dreams came true on that cruise. I, I'll tell you that much. And for those of you who don't know already, if you've seen it on our social media, the one and only Donnie Wahlberg gave Dope Nostalgia a shout out on the Lido deck. And I was shaking and so happy and so excited that he took the time not only to listen to this show, but to tell people about it and encourage us all, all of us creative people out there who do all of the content stuff that we do just to support each other. So thank you everybody for supporting us. And that's why I want to take this time to recognize the patrons. The patrons are on patreon.com slash dope nostalgia subscribers to the show that help support us financially so that I can keep the show running. It helps pay all of the costs that are associated with making such a production. So I am forever indebted to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of your support. I just wanted to mention you guys by name. Carlos Alonso, Joe Valenzuela, Candace Cox, Rebecca Damon, Niska, that's Nicole Niska, <laughs> Niskers von Scratchenberg, Tracy Bird, Chrissy Honeycutt, Frederick Thomas, Mike Butler, Beth Leet, Kelly Morgan, Quinn Clark, Christy Kerrigan. Crystal Hicks, Learning to Listen podcast, and it's a conspiracy podcast. All of you guys, thank you so much for your support. And you can subscribe too for as little as a dollar a month just to support the show at patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Moving on with the program, Joe Valenzuela is back joining me to talk about another artist. Now, Joe is the creator of the blog Milk Carton Pop Stars. And we had so much fun with him last time. I would love to have him on the show as many times as I possibly can. So he's back. And we are going to talk about the sensation from the UK who's back making music again, Betty Boo. Here's a little background on Betty's career. Wikipedia moment. Please bear in mind that Wikipedia is not to be taken as actual 100% fact. Any donkey could edit it at any time. If I'm reading you the artist's bio, that stuff is real truth. Alison Clarkson, better known as Betty Boo, is an English singer, songwriter, and pop rap artist. 
Not to be confused with the cartoon character Betty Boop, which is completely different. She first came to mainstream prominence in the late 1980s following a collaboration with the Beatmasters on the song Hey DJ, I Can't Dance to That Music You're Playing. Between 1990 and 1992, she had a successful solo career, which spawned a number of chart-placing singles, most notably Do in the Do, Where Are You Baby, and Let Me Take You There. Clarkson studied sound engineering at the Holloway School of Audio Engineering before having a string of hits between 89 and 92. Originally nicknamed Betty Boop for her similarity to the cartoon character, she changed it to avoid trademark disputes. Of mixed Doosan and Scottish ancestry, she had an unusual, striking, and appeal-like look, dressed in mildly revealing outfits and proved to be an influential pop music figure whose sassy, powerful music and image launched a thousand wannabes. Writing for The Guardian in August 1990, Lucy O'Brien noted the difference between the quietly spoken Clarkson and her lovable toughy pop star Alter Eagle, describing the latter as a cartoon combination of Betty Boop, Barbarella, and Buck Rogers. While still at school, Boo began her musical career in a hip-hop group such as Hit and Run and the She Rockers, the latter act who were signed to the British independent record music label Music of Life. The She Rockers' success led her to New York and worked with Public Enemy, who encouraged her to pursue a solo career. Commenting on her time spent supporting Public Enemy on tour in the U.S., as well as working with Professor Griff in the recording studio on the song Give It a Rest, Boo revealed that things did not go as expected. They were producing our single, and I thought it would sound like their stuff, but it didn't at all. And some of the crowds were hostile to us. They didn't throw anything, no. But they wanted to see Public Enemy, and they just weren't interested in us. Her big break came when she appeared as a guest vocalist on the 89 number 7 UK hit single Hey DJ, I Can't Dance to That Music You're Playing by the Beatmasters, which we talked about earlier. But, but Boo's first solo single, Doin' the Do, followed and it was also a UK number 7 success for her in 1990, selling 200k copies and reaching number 1 on Billboard's dance music chart in the United States. Now, it has been said that the Spice Girls were heavily influenced by the image of Betty Boo, and that doesn't surprise me at all. I want to welcome back to the show from Milk Carton Pop Stars, the blog, Joe Valenzuela, and we are going to talk once again, this time, about the amazing Betty Boo and what she's up to now as well. Welcome back, Joe. I guess we'll officially officially start here. I want to welcome you back, Joe Valenzuela, to the show, Milk Carton Pop Stars. I always trip on my words when I say that. I don't know why, but yes, Milk Carton Pop Stars. You originated and created the blog. And welcome back. Thank you. It was a lifetime ago. It's funny because when you brought it up and then a couple other people are like, I used to read your blog. And I was like, I went back and read some of my posts and I was like, wow, I was like, I was really kind of snarky. So <laughs> I think I was really influenced by like delisted and a couple other blogs I was following at the time, but it was all in like good fun. So I hope no I one ever offense to it. Yours, those gossip blogs were kind of snarky. I didn't find yeah. yours to be. No, no, but I just, I mean, some of the language or like, I was, I wasn't trying to like make fun of anyone ever. Like, oh, like calling like, no, no, I was like, I, you know, like you, I celebrate these people that are more obscure and I like to refer to some them sometimes as like no hit wonders. And like, I, mm. I cherish those more than like the people that were huge. <laughs> I thought it was very important when I started the show that I focus on a lot of the people that I heard maybe one song from. 
Yeah. But I loved it. And then wondering, okay, let's let's not only introduce this song to people who didn't hear about it, or maybe they'll remember it and go, oh, I remember that. Exactly. You know? And then to see what they're doing now. Now, the artist we're talking about today is Betty Boo. Betty Boo was really big in the UK. Yeah, huge. In in Canada, we saw her on video rotation on Much Music, on okay. some of the other music shows we had, but maybe two songs and that was it. Okay. What yeah. about you? Like in the US, like nobody really knew her. <laughs> the The way I discovered her was on the box. Mm -hmm. They would show the video for doing the do. And I was like, what is this? I'm like, I was so intrigued. And again, I went out, bought the single. And then I just kind of became obsessed with her. And I felt like me and my best friend at the time, we were the only people that even knew who she was. And <laughs> so I, I, I can say that I bought all, and I actually pulled some of them out, like my 12 inch singles from back in the day, just because mm -hmm. I thought that'd be like fun to share. But um. Yeah, I mean, she didn't have, she never really took off. I think doing the do went to like number 90 something on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. But she was huge in the clubs. So she had a bunch yeah. of clubs in the US. So that's something. Yeah, she did well on the hot dance music club play charts on Billboard. She did yeah. well here on that. Um, it was the, the regular old Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, not so much. But she was so quirky and cool and ahead of her time. That it's even been said that she was an inspiration for the creation of the Spice Girls. Yeah, I think I read that too. Like they wanted five Betty Boos and that's how <laughs> they came to be. <laughs> like that's how true. cool was that? Yeah. And so, like I said, she in the UK, she she was really doing well. And another thing I learned about her when researching hers early in her career, when she was coming into America, she worked with Public Enemy. Yeah, um, she she was in a a female rap group called the She Rockers in the UK, mm -hmm. and um, I was like brushing up on some of my Betty Boo uh, knowledge today too in preparation yeah. for this. Um, yeah, I was reading that, and there's actually a clip on YouTube of them like at a McDonald's in the UK, and she's like freestyling for them, mm. and yeah, and I guess they were the ones that encouraged her to go solo. So that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Public Enemy. What a collaboration. Yeah. And the cool thing was, too, in doing my research, she put out a single not too long ago with Chuck D again, with him in the music video and everything. Yeah, I saw that today. I was like, whoa. I actually pre-ordered the new album a while back, but it's I think it's still to come. So I'm excited for that. It's out October 14th. So oh, our timing on this is great. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> We're we, doing just the <laughs> we were just literally like, oh, let's talk about her three days from now when we were filming. We are recording this on the 11th. So the Betty, ah. brand new Betty Boo album will be out. But uh, to talk a little bit about her roots, what uh, how did you learn about her yourself? Well, like I said earlier, I remember seeing the video for doing the do on the box. Yeah. And, and I was immediately enthralled with her. Like, who is this? She's so cool. Because I mean, back then, um, I'm I don't know how it was in Canada but at least in the U.S. like top 40 radio played everything like you yeah. had like dance music pop music like you know ballads uh hip-hop like new jack swing like you know all that stuff so just to me I was like I took it all in and so she fit right in with like the artist that I was listening to at the time and then I just remember like 
she would come out in teen magazines and I started like clipping all the like articles about her and Mm -hmm. not a lot, but like, I think they were trying to break her in the U S and it it just never caught on. And um, yeah. And then I bought the album and I became obsessed and I actually bought her second album the day it was released in the U S like on CD. I don't know if in Canada, but in, in the U S back in the late eighties and early nineties, CDs came in long boxes. Yeah. I remember seeing that. So it wasn't remember, like that in Canada, but whenever I'd go to the U.S., that's how they were packaged. Yeah, like we didn't really care about the environment. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it was so cool because you had like, you know, we would cut them up and put them on our wall. And it was kind of like, yeah. I remember vividly that album cover just like sticks out to me like so much to this day. It's one of my favorite album covers of all time. It is uh, super sweet. And like all of the graphic art that she did and, and the music videos themselves were like basically cartoons. Yeah. They felt like cartoons, but they weren't animated. And that's right. what was cool. Yeah. That was very cool. Um, so she also has a lot of schooling. Uh, she studied sound engineering at a young age as well. So, you know, she's got a lot of background and a lot of history and music that way. Um just kind of looking through. I'm on it. Did you do any Betty Boo article on your blog? I don't think so. I think I just tried to look it up on your blog, but I couldn't find her. No, I don't think I ever did one on her just because she was so huge. Mm. And I think she, when I was doing my blog, it was around the time um, she was like writing and producing for like up and coming acts in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to say like she was kind of back in the press and then she had like a one-off group with oh, the names escaping me, but I think it was the guitarist from Blur. Yes, Alex, yeah. Alex James. Yes. From Blur. I, I like to call him the other cute one in Blur. <laughs> yeah. So she was kind of like, you know, out there again. So I didn't feel the need to like write on her or write about her rather. Yeah. But, um. I'm I was just always sad she never took off here and I always like would joke like I'm a a rare breed of people in the U.S. that actually knew about her like when she actually came out and didn't discover her years later but I I just think she's awesome she's so fun songs were catchy um I first heard her I think it was on syndicated radio in Canada because there was a show that was an American syndicated radio show hosted by John Garabedian and it was called the open house party. Oh my God. I remember open house party. That's where I got so many of the tunes I was hearing, especially in the early nineties. Yeah. It was off that show. That makes this, sense. This song, I'm sure doing the do was definitely played on there. Oh, for sure. That song was, how could it not be? It was so fun. And it was like, uh, a, big I want to say it was also like an underground dance hit because like I remember like years later like friends uh they would be like I remember that song like they would play that at the like um 18 and under clubs like when we were teenagers <laughs> so like mm-hmm. you know she had that appeal the video dance parties we had the much music video dance party that was our thing it was like a mobile uh lights and and uh big huge video screen and they bring them to schools and private parties and hall parties. Oh, wow. and, yeah. And like, if you were getting a much music video dance party at your school, it was the coolest event of the year. Did you ever have one? Yes. <gasps> I think we only had one though. Okay. That I remember. And, and the coolest part was one of the actual VJs from much music came to our school too. Oh, wow. For the, for the party. They must've been in Edmonton anyways. Otherwise I don't okay. see why they would have come all the way from Toronto, but yeah. Yeah. His name was master T. He was a, 
really popular VJ on Much Music. That's so cool. Oh my God. I would have died. Like if like Club MTV came to my school when I was a kid. I yeah. Passed like out or Dance Party USA, one of those shows that were popular. Isn't that like down, downtown Julie Brown or something? Yeah. I used to watch that every day after school. And I wanted to be a Club MTV dancer when I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I'd seen MTV, but not really. We never really got it here. We were happy with what we had though. Well, that was cool. awesome. Yeah. And I, I think you mentioned this on a couple of your um, episodes, how I don't know if it was the same with uh, video programs, but that they had to play a certain amount of Canadian artists. Was that the same for like videos? Yep. Same, See, same principle. Cool. I think that's really cool. You know, because yep. so many countries are saturated with what's popular in the U.S. or what's popular in Europe. And sometimes like your own music goes uh, gets overlooked. So I think that's really cool. There's two schools of thought on it. Uh, there's It's a positive thing and a negative thing. The positive is exactly what you just said. Right. Supporting our own is amazing. And I think it's fantastic that we do that. Um, there was a big controversy back in like the early 90s when Brian Adams released the album uh, Waking Up the Neighbors. Okay. I don't know if you heard about this, but this album was ruled un-Canadian by the governing CRTC because no. he co-wrote it, produced it uh, with... Uh, Mutt Lang, who is British. Oh, okay. So because of the way the system had been set up back then, he didn't get enough points for the album to be Canadian and he was pissed. <laughs> oh, wow. Even, he, though he was, yeah. even though the artist is Canadian, that was insane. Anyways, it ended up being this thing where Brian came out and said that this whole system just breeds mediocrity in Canadian music. And it's all... <laughs> He's crying into his money, I'm sure. Like everything I'm was sure. fine. Everything yeah. was great. <laughs> I'm a Brian Adams fan. So I, I can see at the time he was just like, well, this is stupid. Yeah. But I don't think it really affected him that much. No, because he was like a huge star everywhere. I mean, he was huge here. So I can just imagine what it was like in, in his home country. Yep. Yeah, he didn't have to worry. <laughs> we knew who he was. Um, but yeah, sorry. I, I tend to go off topic sometimes. No, but that's, that's okay. That's just conversation you know <laughs> her follow-up single where are you baby betty boo uh came out with that song and apparently it did even better than do in the do Ooh, that was a fun song the video is really fun it's very like 60s um you know like sci-fi and i she was just so much fun and she was yeah. she was so pretty too like she just had like a cool look and and she yeah. had the like the short, you know, I'm I'm obviously like partial to short uh, brunettes with short hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez, I guess there's a pattern here. <laughs> Martika. Martika. Uh, Betty Boo. Um, who else? Um, no, but she, I don't know. She just had a cool look, and because she was British, like to me, that just made her even cooler. Because yeah, you know, it's like who did we have in the U.S. that was like a female rapper, like that was see blue. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't black, like Icy Blue. That was really it. Uh, yeah. So. There weren't many. Uh, that's true. There weren't that many. Hey. But, and, and the cool thing too, like I thought, you know, from being from the UK, I also liked her aesthetic. Like you said, it has, she had a very retro look. Yeah. And also I find that I don't hear her British accent when she raps. Do you? No, Um, I really don't. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Or maybe I haven't heard enough of the tunes, but I didn't really hear it. 
No, I agree. And she kind of was like a rapper slash singer because a lot of songs she would sing too. So, but yeah, I never really heard like a distinct like British, maybe she would use like British slang or like, you know, words that maybe are the US. But I, I never felt it was like, oh my God, this is like, I, I don't understand what she's saying. It was never, you know, like no, that. It's, no, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. And I know she was also really huge in Australia. Makes sense. That was another uh, territory that she was big in. So, you know, the Aussies and, and the Brits had uh, sometimes better taste than <laughs> the rest of the world, or at least a little more accepting, to, you know, to that style of music, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, one thing I appreciate about Europe in general is that they're more open to different genres, mm-hmm. too. You know, I find yeah. that um, <clears throat> they're more maybe more so with rock and metal, like they're very still successful in Europe, those yeah. types of artists, those, those in that genre. But I would love to be a part of the uh, European music industry. That'd be sweet. I could see that. Yeah. Take over. Um, another thing about her uh, in 91, she had a bit of a setback on her image wise because she was caught lip syncing at a live show. I heard that it was uh, in Australia, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it says here that um, there were hundreds of complaints after her performance because she fled the stage after she dropped her microphone, revealing that she was miming to a backing track. Who wasn't, though? Yeah, you know, I mean. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> and honestly, a lot of, uh, I don't know, like, what kind of show it was. Like, was it, like, one of those radio shows where they have, like, 20 different acts and they just kind of, like, bring one out after the other? Or she could have been performing at, like, a small nightclub. Who knows? But I mean, it's not like it was like a Millie Vanilli or, you know. No, no. And I, there's there was different reasons for it. There were a lot like when I say who wasn't, it's because of the fact that there were shows like Top of the Pops. Yeah, exactly. I think American Bandstand was like that, too, mm-hmm. where you were required to lip sync to be on the show. For sure. I think Club MTV was that way, too. Very rarely would an artist perform live. They were always like lip syncing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's unfortunate when the artist gets the flack for that when they weren't the one that made that decision. For sure. And I mean, we don't even know like what the circumstances were. Like, had she been traveling? Had she lost her voice? I don't. We don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know if she's ever spoken about it since. No, she said the incident was. Uh, she canceled the rest of the tour, saying it was due to the flu. So it's possible she was just sick uh, that day and didn't want to cancel the show. Maybe. Yeah. That's a tough place for an artist to be in, you know, like, do you disappoint everybody, give them all their money back, cancel the show, or do you just go ahead and do it? Because I know a lot of times I want to see an artist. I really want to hear them actually sing, but that is, that's a tough call. So I don't really, I don't really care when people are accused of lip syncing. I'm like, yes. So maybe you should look into why that happened before you judge them. Sure. We still love her. Yes. <laughs> That's why we're talking about her today. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, did you have her her first album? Like, were you, like is that I something in your collection? Oh, okay. I didn't have any of her albums physically. I had her songs okay. that I had recorded off the radio, kind of okay. on my cassette, you know? Yeah. Like, I remember mm-hmm. they, um, like, their Pop-Tarts did this thing where you could, like, mail in a coupon and you would get like a free cassette single with a bunch of acts on it. And I remember getting it because it was Betty Boo, the party. 
Yes. And oh my God, I can't remember who else was on it. Might have been Lanier because it was like 1990 or was Lanier Sounds- 91? Uh, about 90 i think 89 so 90 91 three of them i should actually look it up on discogs that's like one of my favorite websites yeah um, go for it but i remember getting that and like i think that i got that before her album was released in the u.s so i would just play like the song over and over it was either like they were all on it or you could choose one of them and i think at that point i already had the party's album so i chose betty boo so I think that's what it was. I could be making this up, but somebody in the comments, <laughs> if, they, if they hear this or like on social media or um, can maybe let you know, but I swear. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Kellogg's Pop-Tarts, Future of Rock 1991. Okay, so there was one of the party. And I swear to God, there was one of Betty Boo. I'm not making this up. Something, <laughs> something, something that you mailed in and you got the like the single or something of uh doing the do i i know i'm not making this up maybe it's not on discogs it's so like rare but anyways so um so you didn't have the album but did you i mean have you gone back and listened to it like on streaming like on spotify or apple music or something since not yet (gasps) not yet it's actually her first both albums are really really good and they're similar yet different Sorry, my dog is like barking at me because he's like, why are you talking to people right now? <laughs> you should be paying <laughs> attention to me. Um, but the first one is like, you know, like if you know the singles, like Where Are You Baby and uh, 24 Hours. And I want to say 24 Hours was produced by William Orbit. I could be making that up. Ooh. Like, hang on, let me check. Now I that will, I'm on William dog, Orbit worked with Madonna a lot, right? Yeah. So I want to say... He produced that song or wrote it or he was involved in it in some way or I'm completely making that up. Hang on. Oh, he did a remix of it. Oh, no, he was a producer. Yeah. So okay. that was the last single from the the Boomania album. Mm-hmm. So I want to say there was four, three or four singles. There was four because there was Hey DJ, I Can't Dance That Music You're Playing which she was a guest vocalist on originally on the Beatmasters okay. single, and then she re-released it as her as her own single. And um, this is probably one of my favorite pictures of her ever, but this is the... Oh, she's gorgeous. Like, look at that. Look at how, like, 60s out with the big hair and just, like, beautiful. Yeah. This is mine. I bought this back in the day. What is this from? 1991. So I was probably, like, in eighth grade or a freshman in high school when this came out. Yeah. So... Yeah, she's a beautiful woman beautiful yeah and she was like a mixed heritage she was i want to say half malaysian and half scottish yeah yeah so like that made her different like that stood out from like all the other you know i don't want to say cookie butter pop stars (laughs) of the day but you know like it it was different like there weren't a lot of like asian pop stars back then yeah now we have like the explosion of k-pop and j-pop yeah awesome right love it I just saw that my first uh, Blackpink video the other day. Have you heard of Blackpink? I've heard of them, and I I've I know a couple songs because like I would hear them out and about. But I heard there's an I want to say a Netflix documentary about them or special or something. I'm 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 actually interested. I don't know if I said this to you before, but I usually don't give a shit about anything new. <laughs> and I heard this song, and I was like, I kind of dig this. This is good. And but the uh, music video is very hard to stay focused with because the 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 shots change 
second after second after second, they're just shots keep changing. And you're just like, this is so busy. What's the, um, the song called? I'll have to check it out. Pink Venom. Okay. And it's so cool. Like, I just love these, these girls are great. So I guess they, you know, K-pop is massive and I totally like it. It's great. Um, um, and I just love that it's a genre that embraces physical releases. Yeah. They go all out. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if you have, uh, if there's a big like K-pop following where you are, but in Chicago, oh, yeah. we have a K-pop record store in Chinatown. No way. And it's so like, as a graphic designer, I just go in there and I'm just like in awe of everything. Like they don't let you take pictures or anything, but, and, but it's so cool. Cause it, it, it took me back to back in the day when you would go to like I don't know like a Spencer's gift and there'd be like new kids on the block posters and you could pick you know which member you wanted it's like that with all these bands and they have like everything from like bookmarks to like stickers to pop sockets and I'm like this is so cool like I would have gone my parents would have gone broke back in the day if they had this of like the party or you know new kids man we didn't have that many stores in Canada that sold new kids stuff as much as it was like mail orders through like the back of team beat magazine or something like yeah. that we'd have to wait four to six weeks for delivery for i had to wait for my jordan knight necklace forever <laughs> <laughs> do you still have it no i didn't have any of my original new kid stuff um but when i went to the states this summer some of my girlfriends down there nikki from the podcast my so-called whatever and also my friend Paige facilitated me getting this hold on okay I had this and I got it on my, I think it was my 12th or 13th birthday, this book. The Lynn Goldsmith book. <laughs> I remember <Yes>. that. <laughs> I had it back then and I was, I loved it so much that I'd be like, I probably, I, I broke all the spine of it because I'd be like laying my head on. <laughs> I'd be like, hello. I mean, hello. <laughs> so, so somebody found it. Um, Nikki found it for me online. That it was on sale at a a place that didn't ship to Canada. Uh So I got it shipped to my friend Paige, who I finally got to meet at the New Kids concerts. And she gave me the book. Oh, that's so cool. I love it when like other fans like help each other out. And like, and now that you mentioned that, I have something that I want to send you. So I, it's totally off topic, but um, I'm a Barbie collector. So cool. Yeah. And of course I have the New Kids on the Block dolls, even though they're not Barbie, but you know, I had to have them. Um, but so I go to like the swap meets all the time and to like, I, I like look, looking for them secondhand. Well, anyways, one time I was there and this person had like a box just full of new kids on the block stuff, just memorabilia, oh. like everything you could imagine. But I was so overwhelmed and, um, I never really collected anything of them, you know? Um, but what I did buy was they had like dead, I think they call it, it's referred to as like dead stock, like old, like stock from back in the day mm-hmm. of keychains, just like. And Ooh. she's like, you can have them all for like 10 bucks. And this has been like 30 in there. And <laughs> so I gave all the Donnie ones and my my two best friends from grade school, I'm still friends with to this day. So I gave Hillary all the Donnie ones. And then I gave Glory all the Danny ones. And then I kept all the Jordan ones, but I obviously don't need all of them. So I'd love Are to you send some of them. Are you saying give me a Jordan keychain? <laughs> I think there's only like maybe five or so. But I would love to. We are friends. I know. I, I need to send like you. 
I'll, I'll keep one for myself and I'll send you the rest because I feel like you don't you have to send them it. all to me. Well, no, that, I feel so bad. Oh, but you'd appreciate them more. Like, trust me, I have my people I collect on. So like, I, I get it, you know? So. Oh, you're so sweet, Joe. Thank We're you. We're connected forever. Our love for Jordan Knight. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm always, I'm always fangirling over Jordan Knight. So it's so, okay. this is so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. No, no problem. Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So, please, join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Throw on your Jinkos, Baby Tees, and Doc Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind and rewind. Just pop in the colored pegs and follow the patterns. It's easy to make beautiful pictures with Lightbrite. Or create your favorite characters with Lightbrite refills, like Disney's Beauty and the Beast, Tailspin, and The Little Mermaid. Light bright, light bright, turn on the magic of shining light. Lightbrite from Milton Bradley. Um, so back to Betty Boo. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> the woman oh. of the hour. What I was reading is that she had the opportunity at one point when Madonna created the label, label Maverick and she first signed Alanis Morissette to the label that she wanted to sign Betty Boo yeah, as her second I, signing. I heard that. And Betty Boo was on Sire Records, which was Madonna's label. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it made even more sense. Well, at least in the U.S. I don't know in the U.K. Was she on Sire or just Warner? I'm not sure. Um, Sire slash Warner. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know, like who's who and what, you know, like countries. Sire, yeah. Sire's a division of Warner. So yeah, um, it, it's all, it's all like make and model of cars, basically, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But that's a really cool like fact about her. And um, I actually was watching some interviews and they asked her about that. This was like around the time when the wigwam era 
And she just said that, yeah, that Madonna asked her to be on the label. She wanted to sign her. But I guess her mother became ill and she Mm -hmm. opted to like, you know, take care of her mom. And I I don't know if she's passed since, but I believe she was like, you know, severely ill and she chose family, which I totally get like, you know. Oh, yeah. That's very respectable. Of course. Family first. Right. But apparently she's still friends with Madonna or she said they were neighbors in the UK like Madonna lived up the road from her or something that'd be cool I could see why Madonna would find a good friendship with her I could see like the common ground that they have and I think it'd be pretty cool if they if they were friends yeah I'm surprised they never collaborated or maybe they did and we just don't know about it it's like somewhere in the whole so yeah or uncredited (laughs) oh yeah you never know yeah so just trying to think of all the other stuff that I learned about her. Oh, her songwriting. So that's another thing that she spent the last few years doing was basically yeah. writing for other people. Right. So, um, like we said, obviously the inspiration for, for, for the Spice Girls came a bit from her, but also she wrote music for Danny Minogue and Girls Aloud. I mean, Danny Minogue is one of my all-time favorites. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that she like wrote for all these people and it's crazy. Yeah. So I'm sure she has like a nice, she, I, I it's funny. Cause I, when that all happened, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, she can be like the next Kathy Dennis, like writing all these hits for everybody. That's you who know? came to my mind. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, I think that's awesome, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure she's still like played in the UK. Like uh, there's gotta be like, retro shows like there are in every country and oh yeah whenever I meet somebody out at a bar that's from England around my age and I'm drunk I'm like oh my god do you know Betty Boo <laughs> and if they do <laughs> we like all night we just talk about Betty Boo <laughs> so <laughs> so cool yes yeah. um yeah oh by the way I love your dog he's so cute oh thank you he's his name is Abu Abu yeah he's named after the the monkey from Aladdin <laughs> <laughs> Hey, say hi, say hi. Um, yeah, well, thank you. Abu's happy to be here because he's <laughs> needy and he needs attention. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it, it going back to her, like uh, the second album, it kind of it didn't have the same impact as the first one, which is sad because it's a really good album. And the videos that came from that album are just super cool. Just very like, I don't know if you haven't seen them, like, there's one called Hangover. It's kind of like an old Western. Oh. That's really cool. And then there's, um, oh God, I can't remember what it's called. I want to say it was the first single. I'm like, I'm cheating. I'm looking at my 12 inch records here. That's what you're supposed to do. Cheat away. It wasn't a thing going on. It was, hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to really cheat and look on Discogs. I just watched the video again today. Like, uh, I think it was called I'm on my way. Was that it? Yeah, I heard of I'm on my way. I think I watched that video this afternoon. But it's like very um, colorful and like everyone's in shadows, but she's always like in focus. She's wearing she's wearing like a leopard print in a lot yes. of the video and yes, she looks yes. gorgeous. And she then it kind of beautiful. Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of the whole Shania Twain that don't impress me much outfit. Yeah, but that was like 1992. Like um, came later. Yeah, Shania came later, but it was kind of right. reminiscent of that for me to see her dress like that.
yeah, like I said, that album kind of underperformed for her. And but you know, it happens a lot. Not everything is going to be a huge success, especially when the first one was so huge. So it's very hard for an artist to get past what's called the sophomore bump or whatever, right? When yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of see how the second album does. Right. Makes or breaks you basically. Right. If you don't, if you don't have like an amazing debut with that second album, you could totally get washed away. You never know. And sometimes the debut goes unnoticed. New Kids on the Block and. That's the sophomore true. album is the one that becomes huge. And I, I know, like, as a, a New Kids fan, like, I didn't even really know about the first album until, like, they started pushing it, like, mm-hmm. you know, and all the After teams. the fact. After they yeah. already hit with Hanging I, Tough. Oh, my God. Like, I'm totally off topic again. But, like, me and my friends, like, would always sing Popsicle to each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was, like, that's, yeah. And, like, me and my friend Tracy, we always quote, um are you down to each other? And, like, <laughs> I haven't I heard that in on, so long. I could go on and on about that album. Like she'll always be like, Chicago, are you down? Cause I live in Chicago. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> yes. I like that. Be my girl song. I think I was called what it was called. Be my girl. I can't remember the rest oh, of it. Anyway, yeah. I haven't heard that album in forever. Um, but yeah. And then like you said, what happened to the new kids can happen where yeah, first album, doesn't do anything and then you strike with your second or even your third bon yeah. jovi didn't hit until slippery one wet really yeah and that was their third album and that's if they get a chance at a second or a third album but i feel like back then labels were more inclined to like invest in artists and okay if this one didn't work let's do another album whereas now it's just like well not now because now people can release stuff independently but there was a while like if the album didn't take yeah. off or was a hit it was like you're dropped from the label you know they believe more in artist development and i think like looking at all the factors involved like why this didn't do well well this is what we're going to do differently this time yeah but we still are we're invested in you guys we, we still believe in you you know exactly yeah, i don't know about nowadays seems like know. a scary scary proposition to try to get signed or ah. <laughs> well, that, that's why so many of these acts are just releasing it on their own and I don't blame them they don't have like mm-hmm. the middleman anymore and I don't even know who's releasing this Betty Boo album if she's doing it independently or um what we will find out yeah but I mean I think I read in a couple articles she was saying like this is the album I should have made when I was 25 or whatever age she said mm-hmm. so yeah, she still looks good. I don't know how old she is now. She's probably in her 50s. Yeah, she's got me in her 50s. Let's see, she she's 52. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking on her Wikipedia. March 6, 1970. Oh, yeah, she still looks very good. Yeah. And I wish her all the success with the new album. I've reached out to her uh, to see if she'd like to be on the show at some point. So we'll see if we get to hear from her. Oh, my God, she- I would die. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, you never know. You never know. Maybe People she'll busy. and she'll be like, oh my God, a woman in Canada and a man in the US knew, know who I am. <laughs> like, why not? That's right. We're trying to we're trying to spread the Betty Boo love to the North American audience. So exactly. Betty, come on the show. You know, I know she does like the gay pride circuit in the UK. Like someone's got to bring her to the US or Canada at some point. <laughs> like, why not? Yep. I would totally be there, you know. 
we are going to embrace you with open arms, Betty Boo. Right. So <laughs> we could be like a, a, a '90s British invasion. Like my dream would be like her, Kathy Dennis, mm-hmm. Samantha Fox. Ooh, yeah, oh. yeah. No, Kathy Dennis is another one I've I've reached out to because I would love to uh, talk with her. That would be great. Huge yeah. career. I, I think I put her on my list of people I wanted to talk about with you. Probably. Yeah. So I, I was a huge fan of hers back in the day. So. So what song would you choose from the Betty Boo catalog that you'd want to play that came out in the 90s on the show today? Ooh. Um, well, since we're introducing her, because maybe not people know her, I feel like we should pick something that like a signature song i'm definitely playing clips of the signature songs give me a deep cut oh a deep cut just to round things off okay so one of my favorite songs that was she i want to say it was the last single released from gerd's betty boo Mm -hmm. it's called catch me catch me okay here i have the 12 inch oh she's so pretty her all right we'll play a clip um, of catch me yeah and i want to say it was like David Morales did the remixes. Mm. He's like a huge, yeah, uh, like remix artist, I think to this day. So this is a really cool song, like sultry and like sexy and like, yeah, I think, I think this is an an overlooked gem that people slept on, even in the UK. I think it was a great choice to, uh, to play a clip of. So thank you for picking that. Yeah, no problem. else you want to say before we wrap up our Betty Boo chat? Just that I love Betty Boo and I'm so glad that I'm not the only one that remembers her on this side of the pond. Um, uh-huh. I Like I said, sometimes, you know, you catch these artists like by accident or like people that are trying to break in North America versus where they're already like established. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't stick and sometimes people like us remember them and cherish them and so i'm mm-hmm. glad that um she's still out there i'm glad she's recording new music i'm really excited for the new album so and if she hears this betty boo i want you to come to chicago and go to canada yeah <laughs> we'll be waiting right we can't wait for the new album i'm just happy that 
uh, I live in a place where she got airplay here and I got exposed to it. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the cool things I think about Canada is that we do get a few of the different albums and singles from different countries that might not make it to the U.S. sometimes mm-hmm. or may not make it big there. So yeah, I feel like that's a bit of a blessing too. So yay. <laughs> I'm glad that you got a chance to discover her. Yeah. on Facebook at Dope Nostalgia, Instagram, Dope underscore Nostalgia, or on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.